Well, week three is over. Looks like the league might actually be starting to take some shape. Adam and I are here to talk about all the games from this week, as well as look ahead to, to what the rest of the NFL season might be looking like. Welcome to the Goal Line Fade Podcast. In a year where there's been so many challenges, um, obviously off the field, but then just the, the uniqueness that we've seen this season, just with, I mean, a virtual draft, um, very shortened offseason. Um, I mean, everything, like, right, the, the key theme that it seems like is popping up everywhere is resiliency. And so it's kind of interesting to see that week three very much followed that same trend of um, showing that, you know, resiliency will pay off in the end. And so very interesting week for some key teams that uh, managed to get down but found their way to win and it looks like that's what it's going to take to be good in the NFL this year you're going to get knocked down you're going to get beaten down but you got to find ways to win when you need to and so um, or find yeah find ways to win at the end of games and so I mean the Bills the Titans the Steelers and the Bears all did that very well this past week and it's it's just seemed like that kind of year so far where it's not going to be a team outperforming the whole game but it might be, um, yeah, it might be the way that the team can come back that will carry them. Yeah, like, man, it, it, we, we literally had another 28-3 to game this week, and, and had the Rams' defense been able to stop Josh Allen on that drive, um, like, th- that was a crazy enough comeback, and it was kind of like, oh, that'll never happen again. And then another team did it, right? We saw that just in so many games. Um yeah, it really does just feel like because teams are, are lacking the preparation they would have had, because teams, I mean, injuries have already started taking a toll on quite a few teams, um, because of all these different factors, it, it really feels like teams just um, haven't been ready to finish out a lot of these big games. And I mean, we're we're seeing it starting to, to reflect in records. I mean, you look at um, some of the teams that had big comeback wins, you got the, the Bills, while well, kind of a, they almost gave it up and then kind of came back from almost giving it up. But um, that's a 3-0 football team. You have the Titans, another 3-0 football team. Uh, you have the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, another 3-0 football team. And the Bears, also 3-0. Like, it's, it's going to be these teams that are going to continue to have success this year. The teams that really have the mental toughness to just keep fighting through through all 60 minutes of the game. And I mean, that's true every year, but it just feels like that's been amplified in a season with, with no prep. Yeah, absolutely. It seems that uh, whether it's endurance or whether it's just that mental toughness, like you're saying, to get through the first what, 45 minutes has been great, but to get through the, the last 15 has seemingly been a, a big deal for some teams, right? I mean, you look at Atlanta, they would be a two and one football team right now if they could close out football games. And so it's just, it's really interesting to see what the disparity between various teams in the league has been purely based on the last 15 minutes, which again, like to your point, it's, that's the way it is every year, but this year it does seem so much more amplified just with there being such a big distinction between teams that are good in the fourth quarter and teams that aren't good in the fourth quarter. It's uh, definitely been one of the main takeaways from this week, and I would say from the season thus far for sure. I think something that, that has, especially thanks to the game this week, become pretty clear as well, um, I, I think the Chiefs are the team to beat, which like, shocker the the super bowl champs are the team that that is going to be leading the league but man they they beat baltimore right that was not that was not a close game um and and all of a sudden i think the chiefs really have emerged as almost certainly the most dominant team in the league and and not just on offense on on a team that is very capable of playing defense and i think that's that's got to be terrifying for the rest of the league, but it, it seems to me at this point that a repeat is um, as likely as it could be in any season. For sure, and the interesting thing about the Chiefs, too, again, in a year that we talk about being as funky as it has been, I mean, they brought back, what, all but one of their starters or every one of their starters? It was something ridiculous like that. And so you think about the chemistry that they've built over the last year and the fact that they're literally bringing that exact same lineup to the table this year with a couple improvements, right? I mean, get, going out, getting Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to uh, replace Damian Williams, who opts out, right? You're, like, there are certain areas where you're actually improving your roster, but still, to have that chemistry, it's just it goes to show that you pair that chemistry with, I mean, a quarterback who's playing at the, I mean, 
is he the best in the game? Some people would argue it's Russell Wilson right now, but still like Mahomes is playing absolutely phenomenal. You pair that with the chemistry that the chiefs have this year. And, and that team looks like it's really hard to beat. Mm-hmm. So you were talking about players kind of playing. Um, yeah. As, as the best in their position. I know um, Adam, you're, you're starting to see like everyone else, right. Potential trends at MVP this year. Yeah, well, the interesting thing is um, it feels like it's when Patrick Mahomes is playing this well, it feels like people want to lean towards him. But to be fair, I think the person whose name is uh, is getting the most recognition right now for MVP is actually Russell Wilson. Passing for 14 touchdowns in the first three games is something that I don't believe has ever been done before. I think that he surpassed uh, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, and Patrick Mahomes for the most touchdowns through three games. Um, all those three players previously had in the neighborhood of 50 to 55. So that's a pretty big deal. And so for him to be playing at that level right now, um, carrying the Seahawks to three wins, starting off as three and zero, when I don't think many people predicted them to be there is a big deal. And so um, it has been quarterback dominated when we're talking about the, you know, the possibilities of who could win MVP. I think that Josh Allen has also entered that conversation and took it by storm too. I don't necessarily think he's in the same ballpark as Russell Wilson right now, but he's playing like just at a phenomenal level, right? The Bills were going to be good if Josh Allen could play the way that he's playing right now, and he has been playing at that level. And for Aaron Rodgers to be doing what he's doing right now too, I mean, those are, are four names that I think are definitely in the in the ring right now to uh, to be MVP. I it. Oh, I, I hate that I'm already having to start to eat my words about Josh. And I like, I still, I still believe deep down that this is just a flash in the pan and we're going to see him return because <laughs> I cannot think of another player who I've ever seen take this kind of leap in an off season. Josh Allen was horrendous last season. Josh Allen was the type of quarterback that when your defense went up against, you weren't wondering how many yards he was going to pass for. You were wondering how many passes you were going to get to pick off. Like, Ah, man, I I cannot believe what we have seen from him this year. And um, I mean, I don't like it. I, I didn't think the Patriots would have a chance for this division. I'm starting to think maybe they can be competitive. But if Josh Allen keeps playing it this way, there's there's no way. Well, and it's is it a byproduct of his environment too? right? The fact that they brought Diggs in, um, the fact that he's had a couple years now with, you know, Cole Beasley and John Brown in that lineup. Um, I think that he's being treated well from an offensive line perspective as well. So I, I just, I think that that whole situation is working out really well in Buffalo right now. And the fact that he's leading that team as well as he is, and if he can carry Buffalo to be in the conversation with the chiefs and with the, the Ravens, with the Steelers, I think that it, it will certainly, um, give, give him a shot to go up against Russell Wilson at season's end for MVP. But obviously we're a long way from there, but we're starting to see that MVP conversation get a little bit more defined, which is, is quite interesting. Yeah, I want to make one quick comment about um, just a potential early comeback player of the year bid. Um, Alden Smith has four sacks. Alden Smith has four sacks. Leads the league. Yes, three of them came against Seattle this weekend. But, man, I mean, I've said it before, especially when when it was sounding like Alden Smith was going to be back this season. Um, Alden Smith probably had potential to be one of the best pass rushers to ever play the game. If you watched him play his first few seasons before he just got out of control with substances, but um, four sacks out of him, and, and all of a sudden this pickup by the Cowboys is looking like one of the best diamonds in the rough you could be pulling out. If he can keep performing um, anywhere near this level for the rest of the season, I think he's easy comeback player of the year. Well, and I mean, there's, there's a couple other people that, are sort of in that ring when it comes to uh, comeback player of the year. I know Big Ben has been another name that has been tossed around quite a bit. Cam Newton obviously has received a lot of attention as well. So he'll definitely have some competition for that. But you're right. Like, I mean, he's leading the league in sacks right now with four. And so if he can can consistently play at that level, it, it'll be interesting to see, um, yeah, to what level he can, can carry that. Will he be leading the league in sacks by the end of the year? That would be quite impressive considering all the players who's who he's outperforming right now from a numbers perspective. Yeah. So then I think I, I, as, as shocking as it is, I, I think we also have to note that um, two teams who, who were talked about early on as 
you know, maybe like they were they were more of a stretch, but potential Super Bowl threats um, are sitting at 0-3. And I, I mean, I would even say more than two. The, the obvious ones are Houston and Minnesota, um, even Denver. And I think that's mostly injuries. But um, like Atlanta could be in that conversation, too. There were a lot of teams that, that had been talked about as maybe Super Bowl contenders or at the very least playoff threats who were sitting at 0-3 and might honestly be done already just because of the state of their divisions. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, It's been quite interesting, too, because, I mean, the Texans were playing quite well against the Steelers on Sunday and gave up that lead, ultimately lost the game. The Vikings also had a lead over the Titans this past weekend and gave up that lead as well. So it's it's interesting to see that these teams are sort of doing it to themselves, right? The Falcons, exact same thing. Don't need to bring that up if you're a Falcons fan. <laughs> um, won't talk about that for long, but it's these teams that are really hurting themselves too, right? Like, it's not like they're playing terribly. They're playing well enough that they have a chance to win games, but just aren't able to close out wins. And I mean, both of their coaching staffs or both their head coaches, I mean, are sort of on the hot seat or being talked about as being on the hot seat when, I mean, Bill O'Brien was sort of in that conversation previously, but Mike Zimmer, I don't think I'd ever heard him being in the hot seat. So to see that is quite interesting. And yeah, when it comes to the Broncos, you just, you feel bad for them, right? Like with the, all, all the injuries that they had, Von Miller, um, Cortland Sutton, Drew Locke, like there's just, there's so much happening in Denver there. And it's just, it's hard to blame anyone for their performance, but yeah, a lot of surprises at 0-3. The Giants being 0-3 is kind of a weird one too. The schedule is tough, well. but yeah. But like, I mean, I mean losing Saquon is a huge deal. A few of those teams do have bright spots. I mean, Justin Jefferson has looked like an absolute steal for the Vikings to this point. I realize he was a first-round pick, but... Second. Oh, he was... Oh, right. He was second. Yeah, he dropped out. Yeah. He was talked about as a first and didn't... So he's looked just like the, like a really good, um, potentially emerging star for the Vikes. Calvin Ridley obviously has taken another step this year with the Falcons. Um, Houston doesn't really have that yet. I think Will Fuller is still going to establish himself as um, that, that breakout player in their offense. So even in a lot of the garbage that, that some of these teams are having to deal with, there are some bright spots. I mean, Denver probably would be the least likely to have one because Jerry Judy has been fighting injuries, but um, we could see him take a big step up over the next few weeks as well. So even for those teams that are sitting at 0-3, it, it's not a total write-off, right? You're seeing players emerge who are going to be good for years to come. Yeah, I mean, that's that often is a bright spot in seasons like this where you just can't close out games as seeing those, those players that are going to be um, not necessarily building blocks of the future. I don't think that those teams are in that bad of a state, but... Um, yeah, just those players that you can look forward to when they uh, they turn the franchises around a little bit. So, anyways, it's um, yeah, it's it's been quite a surprising year looking at the standings and thinking about the teams that we projected in certain places. But sort of a, an inevitability this year, Daniel was we knew that at some point in time a team was going to come down with with the virus, right? With COVID, um, that was just something that it's unfortunate and we hoped it didn't happen, but the reality is it was almost inevitable, if not inevitable completely. And that happened this week with the Tennessee Titans, thankfully though. Um, so I think it's four players and five staff, if I remember correctly, but thankfully the the Vikings who they played on Sunday did not come down with any cases, at least that I'd last heard. So um, yeah, it, it, it seems like it's been rather contained, which is good. Yeah, like you said, I think the first couple of weeks maybe gave some people, myself included, a bit of a false sense of hope that maybe the NFL really had um, put in enough precautions to prevent something like this from happening. But um, we're, we're already hearing that the, the Titans, I want to say Steelers, who do they play this weekend? Yeah, Steelers. Uh, the Titans-Steelers game is going to be delayed, which that'll be fascinating. Maybe we'll get like a Monday night doubleheader or some jank like Tuesday night game. I don't actually, I don't think the CBA even allows them to do that based on how much rest players need. But um, the, yeah, the, the truth is this was eventually going to happen. Um, it seems like the league has done a good job of handling it. Titan facility is close. I mean, the Titans, let's just be real, are going to stomp this. I don't, this is where this starts to really play in, right? Because you're now going to see, uh, a team with no actual prep time together. And I, I don't think you can play in the NFL. We're going to get stomped by the Steelers on a delayed game here. And, and that'll be the impact that this virus has, I think, if they can keep it contained to the point where it's not going to derail the whole season. 
Well, it's interesting too. So from a practice perspective, that's one component, absolutely. But then you think about it, right? If it was four players and it was five coaches or five staff members, right? So Sorry, so not five coaches, but five staff members. So you think about that, right? What if it's Ryan Tannehill? What if it's Derrick Henry? What if it's, you know, uh, a key offensive lineman? What if it's, I'm trying to just pick random Tennessee Titans. But anyways, the reality is that those could be big name players too. So you start to see that the role that that has. And like from a scheduling standpoint, we start to see the logistics nightmare that that COVID presents. And I mean that we've seen in the MLB, right, where they're canceling series between two teams and then delaying it to a certain point in time or, or something along those lines. Right. So I think we're going to see the NFL get quite flexible with the way that things are scheduled. And yeah, a lot of bye week changes, I imagine. Who knows? This is uh, definitely an interesting time to see how they handle it. Oh, yeah, I guess shifting by weeks is possible. I never thought about that. I mean, that would take a crazy amount of shifting, but um, yeah. it's doable. So, so yeah, we're now we're three weeks in. Um, and, I mean, generally the quarter mark is a good time in a season to really start uh, talking about where teams might be headed. You kind of have a clear, right, one quarter of the season. You, you're starting to see trends. But I think by week three, we have started to kind of get a feel for um, your teams that are really the top of the line ones teams that seem like they might actually be intriguing um, and then teams that are terrible. And on top of that, of course, we're left with some teams that we're not really sure who they are yet, but um, we just want to take a few minutes and, and really just talk through um, nothing crazy in depth, but, but all 32 teams where we're kind of putting them on those lists and uh, what we expect for them out of the season. Uh, we'll start with Kansas city. This is one that um, I've already kind of brought up, right? This team, as far as I would say, I don't know if you're on the same page as me here, Adam, but I think they're the team to beat. I think right now they've got to be the obvious Super Bowl favorite. Uh, they just played another one of those top tier teams and made them look silly. So I, I think right now KC is the team in the NFL. Yeah, no disagreement there. I think not too many people would have a, a leg to stand on if they debated otherwise. So I completely agree. So then we have Baltimore, who just got beat by Kansas City. Um, Lamar Jackson looked pretty bad in that game that there's no denying that. Um, but Baltimore is still Baltimore, right? Right now we're looking at, um, the worst passing offense in the league, which is absolutely crazy. Uh, I'm just going to, you know, quickly say that I did say Lamar Jackson would probably regress as a passer. So might see where that goes, but the fifth best rushing offense, fourth best in scoring, um, and a, a, surprisingly bad defense yardage wise, but currently third in points, even with that little debacle with the chiefs. So I think Baltimore, yeah, that's another top tier team that, that cannot be ignored. They are, um, yeah, they're legit. They, they need to be a threat every single week. They really just got to get their passing game back together. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, absolutely. I think it goes to show the difference between the chemistry of those two teams, right? Like Kansas city having, very little change over their, I mean, their entire roster, not just their offense, but their entire roster. And Baltimore did have, you know, a decent amount of change in certain key positions. And so um, I guess like some of those differences will show themselves a little bit more in week three than they will later in the season. So I don't think that there's any reason to not have Baltimore in this top tier of teams. But yeah, I completely agree that, I mean, Lamar Jackson definitely has to step it up, which is not something that I expected we'd be saying in week three of this year, but it, it did become very clear on Monday night. I'd have to say, though, after this weekend, a couple other things became clear, and that's um, the three other teams in the AFC that are also 3-0 and that are, are proving that they're deserving to be in that conversation as well. Um, and I say also 3-0, and talking about the Chiefs, knowing that the Ravens are not in that conversation. But um, the Bills, the Steelers, and the Titans have also been very impressive through three weeks. And I have to say, personally, I'm, I'm a lot more impressed by the Bills and the Steelers at this point. But I think that those are two teams that really could go the distance with Kansas City, um, at least to make a very competitive game, and that I think will fight them for the number one seed. I, I Going back to what we just said a couple minutes ago, I don't necessarily see the Chiefs as, um, or I don't see any other team as being better than the Chiefs, but I think that those teams do give the Chiefs a run for their money at this point in time. I think that they're, they're established enough and they have the strengths that they need to go against a good Chiefs team, and I'm really interested to see what that looks like down the line. Because I do believe that we see the Bills and the Chiefs play each other in the next five weeks or so. And I, and I do just have to say, and this kind of blows my mind, uh, Buffalo, I think everyone thought would be carried by a solid defense. 
Their defense is fine. Their offense is second in passing yards and third in points. That's nuts. And uh, with those three teams, I mean, like you, like you said, I think the Bills are the standout one. I think we expected the Bills to be good, but but not with an offense like that. So that has to be noted in those in that conversation. Tennessee and, and Tennessee, I think, is a little better than we thought they would be. But I think everyone expected them to still be a threat. And I think Pittsburgh with with Ben Roethlisberger back, this is kind of what most of us saw coming, especially with how strong that defense was. Yeah, exactly. And I think that the balance of the Steelers especially is something that's very intriguing about them. Um, if that if that defense can hold the Chiefs in any regard, the, the Steelers offense doesn't have to be great, right? And that's that's what I think is going to be interesting is just what dominant defenses for those teams can do against the, the Chiefs, right, when they get their shot. So, um, And I mean, the Titans are good, right? The Titans are carried by Derrick Henry for the most part, finally got into the end zone this past week. But um, they find a way to win, and that's that's all you can ask for. I think this is one of the first times that we may not see a really weird finish in the uh, in their division there, AFC South. I completely blanked on the division. But, uh, I mean, the Colts are a little bit behind them, but are sort of a game behind right now. But anyways, I think that that AFC South is, is quite a different division this year. But um, there's some intriguing teams in the NFC as well. And, I mean, the Seahawks and the Packers are the two that stand out the most right now as far as I'm concerned, as the dominant teams in the NFC. Yeah, two of the best quarterbacks doing it right now. Two teams that have, have played exceptionally well. Seattle's defense is awful. Don't really know how that has happened, but uh, but their offense is carrying them. DK Metcalf is averaging almost 25 yards a catch, which is absolutely <laughs> insane. And uh, and the Packers are having players. I mean, Alan Lazard just stepped up in the absence of uh, Devontae Adams. So uh, both teams look like they're in, in a pretty good position to keep moving forward. Yeah, no kidding. And kudos to the Packers for coming out and playing the way that they have to start this season. Because honestly, they were horrendous last year at 13-3. and Like just a terrible 13-3 and football team. I'll say that over and over again. And the way that they've come out and played this, played this year has been really impressive. Because, I mean, not all that much changed from an offensive perspective. It's not like they got any more weapons. But they've just been very dominant, very efficient with the football. Haven't turned over the ball in three weeks and have scored over 30 points every game or some ridiculous stat like that. So they've been super effective and Aaron Rodgers has looked really good, but I think it would be um, missing the the last of the dominant teams. If we didn't bring up the San Francisco 49ers in this conversation as well, I think, I mean, yes, they played the jets and the giants the last two weeks, but even after suffering, uh, you know, an abundance of injuries, over the past couple of weeks, they've still proven to be dominant and, you know, dominated in games that they were supposed to dominate in. And so they I don't necessarily, yeah, exactly. And so I'm not sure if that's a theme that will carry out over the course of the season, but I think that they can't be removed from that conversation at this point in time. I just, I think that that's, that's the benefit of the doubt they deserve for being led by Kyle Shanahan and for, um, for being a strong team that hasn't really given us a reason to doubt at this point. So what about these teams to watch, right? Some teams that are, have shown something here and there, but, uh, you know, there's still question marks left. And uh, I, I can't talk about the Patriots as as part of a group. So they, yeah, to, to everyone's surprise, including ours, have actually been competitive, right? Almost beating Seattle. They could be 3-0 and if Cam Newton can power out a couple extra yards. Um, the best rushing offense in the league. The Patriots have the best rushing offense in the league, and that makes me a little uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> and a middling defense, which I think with the opt-outs, you know, you lose Dante Hightower, you lose Patrick Chung. That was kind of what we were expecting. So, no, this team uh, really has, has shown a lot more than we expected. And has given us, uh, I think, one of the most fun offenses to watch in the league this year. We'll see what happens against KC this week, but, but they are interesting. They really are. And, I mean, how many yards did they have on the ground this past week? Over 230 or something ridiculous like that. Um, how many... Like if we actually go and look, I think maybe the person that caught the ball for the most that wasn't a running back had maybe one or two catches. Just uh, really Bird ridiculous. Had three, but that's Demir Bird. Okay. It's, like explain that one to me. Yeah, well, I mean, chemistry from when they played together in Carolina potentially. But anyways, this this Patriots offense has been really fun to watch. Their defense is quite concerning. The fact that Stephon Gilmore is playing at the level that he is right now is kind of a concern, considering how good he was last year. And so um, I don't. Well, this in, this week will be really interesting. If they can keep up with the Chiefs, if they can play to the level where it is a competitive game with the Chiefs, I think that 
they have the chance to bump themselves into that dominant teams category. But at this point in time, until they play a team like the Chiefs, I honestly don't know how confident I am that they are deserving to be in that conversation. But um, the other teams that we haven't talked about in the NFC West, I feel are also in this teams to watch category. The LA Rams were not a team that I expected to be playing at the level that they are. Um, yes, they did get bullied by the Bills for a good portion of that game Sunday, but they did come back too. And that shows a lot of um, a lot of strength on the part of Jared Goff, who played really well in the second half. And then, I mean, the Arizona Cardinals did just lose to the Detroit Lions and Kyler Murray did not look good in that game. But I think that we have to talk about the Cardinals as a team to watch in this conversation. And so um, those two teams are also going to be teams that we will need to watch over the course of the season to actually understand whether or not we're seeing flashes or if they will continue to be um, a really good football team going forward. Yeah, the Rams are really one defensive stop away from being 3-0 and and I think almost forcing themselves into that dominant team's conversation and maybe forcing Buffalo down a rung. So, right, so much can hinge on, on one play in the NFL. I think the Rams have a lot to offer and Arizona's looked worse than I wanted them to. I, I have to admit that. So I'm I'm starting to lose faith in them. I realize they're 2-1 and one and that's pretty early, but I'm I'm really not thinking Arizona is a huge threat in the league this year. Then we have Cleveland and Chicago. Um, that's weird. That I don't like that. I don't like that these are teams that I actually have to consider as, as being <laughs> um, potentially good teams this year. Cleveland's two and one. Um, and like, has it been crazy impressive? No, their their rushing offense and rushing defense are both really strong. Um, but they can't score and they can't stop people from scoring. And uh, really, Baker Mayfield has looked fine. I don't really understand how this like this team doesn't feel like they should be two and one, but they are. And and the the Bears are three and zero oh, and have now benched their starting quarterback. So that's just a weird time. But I think Nick Foles is better anyways. So I mean, who knows where he could carry them? And now I'm going to say this over and over again. And if you've listened to almost any episode of the podcast over the port- course of the last three or four months um you may need to go on or put me on mute but the cleveland browns have looked really good because they've made nick chubb the focal point of their offense which is what they needed to do their defense has played to the level that they need to to win games as well and it's not the most impressive win they beat the Bengals, who haven't won a game yet and they beat the redskins who or sorry the i gotta get out of that habit the washington football team who have not looked all that great this year and so no it's not like they're beating dominant teams but still the browns are over 500 for the first time since 2014. And I think that they do have quite a bit of momentum right now. Um, The Chicago Bears, on the other hand, all their wins were against winless teams um, or winless teams going into the week that they played them. So this is just, uh, they're not in that dominant teams category. I think no one would be putting them in that dominant teams category. But to be fair, we do have to respect the fact that they've managed to win all three games that they've played. And so they're at this point in time, seemingly <laughs> deserving of being in this conversation. But I think some of the other teams that we'll talk about in the NFC in this uh, conversation are far more belonging in this conversation. Um, the Cowboys, the Saints, and the Buccaneers all come to mind as teams that we do continue to need to watch because they've had you know, superior competition to a team like the Bears. But their record doesn't necessarily reflect how good their team is and how good their team will be down the stretch. Yeah, and so then I don't really have a ton to say about. But I think by by um, we know that they that there are still teams that that have some fight in them. But Dallas, New Orleans, Indianapolis, and Tampa. I think Dallas probably there's a lot of question marks of us including them on this list. Um, but they are still the Dallas Cowboys, and Dak Prescott is still actually I I want to say playing pretty good football. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, I'm he's leading the league in passing yards. Yeah, so so Dak is playing um, well enough. They have an, an absolute wealth of of weapons on that team. Um, obviously, with Amari Cooper and uh, and Michael Gallup and Ceedee Lamb, been the best rookie receiver if it's not Justin Jefferson. So that's kind of the situation there. Um, and the other teams, yeah, we're just kind of waiting to see if they can really put it together. Alvin can want to say fifth in the league in receiving yards, so that's a little dumb. Well, and that's, that's in my mind, purely because Michael Thomas has been out the past. Was it just this week, or was it has it been two weeks now? 
I think it's been two weeks. And so Kamara's lifted it. Yeah. Kamara's lifted up that load. And so, um, because of that, yeah, he is fifth in receiving yards, which is quite crazy because he's only, gosh, only 71 yards behind the league leader, which is DeAndre Hopkins. So, um, these teams have had to adjust. And I think that's been, um, interesting to watch thus far. The Buccaneers, right? We saw after week one that they were a team that needed to adjust quite a bit. They weren't going to be good just because Tom Brady was the person lining up behind center there. And so, Anyways, those teams have, have proven that, you know, the NFC is not an easy conference to win in, but um, it, it will take time to get to the state where, you know, you do have that confidence, you do have that flow, and you are playing at a high level. So for the Saints, it might be when Michael Thomas returns, or we might see them take a step back and some of these other teams assert their dominance in the NFC. So that's why they're an interesting one to watch. But the Colts are one team, Daniel, that I'm I'm starting to get high on. I think that um, being the team that they are that has a very strong offensive line that's focused on running the football with Jonathan Taylor now. Um, the fact that their defense is playing as well as their defense is too. Like I, that should have been the, what I lead or what I what I started off by saying. Their defense is absolutely dominant. Like they just destroyed the Jets. And yes, it's the Jets, but still that defense is playing phenomenal thus far. And I think um, is going to be one of the reasons why this team does uh, play well down the stretch. So then what about some of these teams that we've just said, like, nope, they're done. I feel like maybe not a ton of comment. Um, we have six teams here. Philadelphia has looked awful. The Giants injuries, the Jets are the Jets. The Bengals have had some moments of hope, but it's just not enough. Minnesota's in a division with two 3-0 teams, and they're 0-3. And Atlanta's also a shocking 0-3. I, I think we're pretty much ready to pull the plug on all of them. I still have a little bit of faith in Atlanta, but I think that might be misplaced. And I, I completely agree with that. I mean, I was so high on the Eagles coming into the year, and I completely have written them off. The Falcons are one team that they've shown so much, and if they could just close out a fourth quarter, they would be a good football team in my mind. So I think that they do get abused. Like, they do get abused through the, the passing game, and it's not like they're a good football team, but they should be winning games, which is quite funny to say. So. Anyways, yeah, those are, are teams I completely agree with you that they're just, we're going to give up on them. We might talk about them, might cover them for some of their bright spots, right? The Vikings, if you look at Dalvin Cook's numbers, man, like he's just absolutely lighting it up. And so they've got a lot of bright spots, but it's just, it's not going to carry them to wins this year, it, it looks like. So, and then you've got all the other teams that are sort of in the mix there too. If you didn't hear your team mentioned, we, we have no idea what they're about. We have no idea what they're going to look like. And from everything that we've seen thus far, we've just, all we can do is shrug our shoulders and, and venture a guess as to what they might be. But it, it has really been a, a weird <laughs> first three weeks of the season. Which I think is exactly what we were expecting, right? It, again, no preseason, really not a full proper training camp. Um, team facilities are, are weird. There's a lot of regulations in place. There's no fans in stadiums, which like is a big deal. That changes things, right? When you when you don't have fans erupting to help momentum swings out. There's just so many factors that are playing into um, a season with a lot of really shocking outcomes to this point. And um, uh, we've said it already. And like I said, this is true every year, but, but more so now than ever. Um, it's going to be the teams that are the most mentally tough that are going to get through it all, right? It's going to be the teams that can come to play on a Sunday. They can block out all the noise. They can block out... Um, you know, all the all the potential lack of preparation. They can block out having no fans and they can just go to work. Those are going to be the teams that are going to win it this year. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, talking about two of those teams that have proven that they're very capable of doing that. I mean, I guess we move into week four or week four games of the week at this point, because I think that that's the perfect segue to talk about the Patriots and Chiefs, two teams that are very good at doing exactly what you're describing, right? They're coached to be that way. They're coached to um, just control what they can control and not worry about the things that they can't, right? Focus on their strengths and focus on minimizing their weaknesses. And so I think that this will be a really interesting game. And to your point, right, successful teams in the league this year are going to um, possess those those traits. And so anyways, this, this week will be really nice to see those two teams play against each other and see which one has the mental toughness to last the full 60 minutes. Yeah, and I think the, the Patriots um, did this week against Las Vegas. Wow, I actually caught myself and didn't say Oakland. I'm incredibly shocked I managed to do that. Um, we saw them do to Las Vegas what every commentator doesn't shut their stupid mouth up about every week. 
is that Bill Belichick does the best job of anyone in the history of the league of eliminating your best player. Uh, Darren Waller was invisible against the Patriots. Um, they're going to do that to one of the Chiefs players. I'm assuming it's going to be Travis Kelsey because disappearing Tyree Kill is really difficult because of his speed. Um, but the, the Chiefs really have not spread the ball out as much as I think we expected them to this year. So as we go into this game, I think it'll be the big question of can the Patriots silence their biggest weapon, whoever they deem that to be? Um, can an offense that's built entirely around the run actually compete with this defense? Uh, can they keep up with the Chiefs' offense, right? Um, I mean, I, I really want to see a big performance from Nikhil Harry because I, I think we've seen flashes this season that are showing that maybe he was worthy of a first-round pick. So it, it's going to be a, a really interesting football game that's probably going to tell us a lot about the Patriots because I think we already know enough about the Chiefs. Yeah, I would agree. I think that it is that benchmark game for the Patriots, absolutely. And so the way that I see that this game playing itself out is um, if the Chiefs get a lead early on, the Patriots are not currently equipped to battle from behind. The Patriots and their offensive style are very good at um, they're very good at running the ball, taking up a lot of time, keeping the ball in their possession, which is really great in this game and in this setting if they have a lead. If they get up by 10 points in the fourth quarter and they milk the clock by running the ball, the Patriots will have a great chance of winning this football game. However, if at the start of the game or at any point the Chiefs get a, you know, a double-digit lead, I think that the Patriots will be in trouble. And so I think that this game fully comes down to how well the Patriots defense can play against the Chiefs offense. And I feel like if at any point the Chiefs get a little bit of a lead on the Patriots, that's when I'm a little bit more hesitant to say that I could see the Patriots winning this game. But just the way that the Patriots defense has played thus far, they haven't looked outstanding. They've played great at certain points when they needed to. And they've, I mean, they've made plays when they needed to, which is great. But I'm just, I'm not necessarily convinced that translates the same way from a Las Vegas team as it does to a team like Kansas City. So it'll be really interesting to see what that defense does and what it looks like if the Patriots do have to play from behind, right? Can they keep it competitive or will it just be, you know, a lost cause sort of like what we saw on Monday night with the Chiefs and the Ravens? Yeah, with that being said, I, I think this is probably a Chiefs football game. But um, with that, we also do have the Steelers and Titans, two 3-0 football teams. And um, man, this game has potential to be a ton of fun. Um, Derrick Henry, as we know, kind of gets stronger as the season goes on. And, and he's been, um, I mean, he's leading the league in rushing yards, but that's more because of an abundance of carries than because of an abundance of, uh, of impressive runs. The Steelers have looked really good. The Titans also have looked really good. Uh, this, is, this is two division leaders who want to fight to continue that division dominance. I mean, the Steelers and, uh, and the Ravens continue to struggle. They might actually win the division. Yeah, it's true, right? Like the Steelers suddenly have a shot to win a division that I don't think they were being given a chance to. And so it's games like this where I, I do put them as the uh, as the favorite, that I think that they can extend that distance between them and the Ravens potentially. So um, what I think will be interesting about this game is I think that the Steelers would be very capable of running the ball quite effectively against the Titans. And I think that um, if the Steelers do get a lead on the Titans, I'm also less convinced that the Titans have that ability to claw back as well. Um, I mean, they proved against a team like Minnesota that they could, but Minnesota is not necessarily the benchmark as far as you know, what it's like to, to fight back against a good team. So I'm really intrigued. And let's see... also, let's also keep in mind, we have no idea when this football game is going to get played and Tennessee yeah. does not get to meet as a team likely prior to the game. So those are definitely factors to take into account as well. Yeah, totally. And I mean, yeah, maybe this isn't even a game that gets played this week, but we're talking about it under the assumption that it does get played Monday or Tuesday. So we'll see, but um, it will be, again, nice to see a game like this where we really do get to know like which one of these two teams is better when they're both sitting at 3-0 and both atop their divisions at this current point in time. And so, um, anyways, yeah, that's, uh, that's the second great game in the AFC this week. But we've got yet another really good-looking game in the AFC this week with Buffalo playing Las Vegas. And so, I mean, Las Vegas sort of came back down to earth after... Uh, 
you know, playing quite well against the Saints and looking really good that, you know, got, I mean, not blown out by the Patriots. The score looked a lot worse than it actually was. But anyways, it'll be really interesting to see. Again, I feel like, Daniel, you and I are sort of in the same mindset here. But I think with each week, we need to see that Josh Allen is going to consistently play at that same level. And it's not, um, it's not been a fluke the first three weeks of the season. And so I feel like the Raiders will be a good test. That past defense against the Patriots was, was very dominant, actually. And so it'll be interesting to see if that Raiders defense can slow Josh Allen down at all. And what happens if they do slow down that passing game? It'll, I'm quite interested to see that, actually. Yeah, Las Vegas, I mean, I don't think they can win this game. But but if they do, they, they definitely enter some interesting conversations. Derek Carr um, is playing, I can't say great. I can say very efficiently. I feel like that's fair. 74 completion percentage, six touchdowns, no picks. Like, that's not Derek Carr from a year ago. That's That's a solid stat line. Josh Jacobs has been... I'm a little disappointing in his second year, and you can argue here or there, but 3.71 yards per or 3.7 yards per carry is just not what I want to see from from a starting running back. The other big thing is, is Las Vegas really needs a receiver to emerge. Um, Henry Ruggs has been dealing with injuries. Hunter Renfro is not really a star in the NFL, so they they really need a receiver to step up to to you know, get some of those targets beside Darren Waller so that, like we saw against the Patriots, it's not just shut down Darren Waller and win the football game. For sure. And I mean, to be fair, they were missing Henry Ruggs and he has proven to be that um, that speed guy that they need at a certain point in time to make a play that does change the game. So, I mean, they didn't necessarily have all their pieces. They were beat up on the offensive line too. If Derek Carr had more time, could he have found Waller eventually? Who knows, right? But um, I, I do agree with you that they do need a little bit more of that that ability to change the pace of the game really quick. And I find like the, they just didn't have that this past week. But um, one of the last games of week four that I think will be really interesting is, is going to be that Browns and Cowboys game. And again, looking at this from before the season, we might not have picked this game as a game that was of interest. But right now we see a two and one Browns team against a one and two Cowboys team. And I feel like both these teams, if they want to compete in their divisions, are going to have to, well, I shouldn't say that. The Cowboys are tied for the lead of their division at one and two. But I feel like both these teams really need a win right now. Both need to prove that their their play has, um, in the Browns' case, been reflective of how good of a team they are. And in the Cowboys' place, um, not been reflective of how good of a team they are. So I feel like these two teams have a lot to prove going into this week. Ezekiel Elliott's got to start running the football better. Um, Dak has led them to the number one passing offense in the league, but 21st in rushing yards per game. And yes, that has to do with game script, but the defense too really needs to step up for Dallas. I think this is a must win game. I realize that division sucks and that kind of makes it less of a, of an urgent thing, but, but I think for the sake of Dallas's confidence, um, they really got to move forward. This team cannot just slink into the playoffs at eight and eight and expect to do anything useful. So this is a good week to try to get their stuff together and be able to move forward um, with some momentum after beating a team that has not been uh, uh, a team that's just walked over this year. For sure. So uh, a lot of other good games on the docket, but just those four that we wanted to talk about this week. And um, I'm sure that as we see more teams emerge and maybe show themselves a little bit more than we'd previously seen, we'll have a, a variety of teams that, come on that list and that do make games a lot more interesting in the future but um pretty pretty good looking list for week four but having said that daniel who are some players that you're excited to watch in fantasy this year or sorry this week yeah i'm cheating a little bit with my first pick but uh miami's entire offense seattle's passing defense is uh 32nd in the league they're absolutely (laughs) horrendous and i think we're all waiting for that explosion from some of these miami guys Devontae parker preston williams mike gusicki They've all kind of felt like they've just been on on the verge of of really uh, busting out. I mean, Gasicki had a huge game uh, in week two, but um, I, I think this is the week it happens, and I, I sure hope it is because I have a disturbing amount of Dolphins on my fantasy roster. But I think <laughs> grab one of Miami's weapons, maybe even Miles Gaskin, who has been weirdly good. Yeah, he's, he had like 22 uh, carries for 66 yards or something like that. And just start them against Seattle. That game is going to have a lot of points. 
And as much as Fitzpatrick can come in a PPR league, that's valuable. So, yeah, uh, just just start Miami's offense. Anyone not named Ryan Fitzpatrick, you can probably start this weekend and you'll get a pretty good result. <laughs> well, that's interesting. And so I'm going to go with um, – I'm going to go with a specific player from another offense that's looked really good thus far, and that is going against a pretty terrible defense from what we've seen. So I'm actually going to go with Alan Lazard, who you mentioned had a, a fantastic week this past week against the Saints. And so uh, I, I saw you picked him up in fantasy, and I think that he's going to be um, someone who can play very well in I'm, potentially I'm starting this week. Yeah, well, good. In my other I'm, league, I have him, and I'm starting him too. So I, I feel yeah. that. And well, it's interesting. Injury, right? So that plays into it, but for sure, for sure. And with Devontae Adams missing time, who's on my roster in our league, right? I'm intrigued to see um, if Devontae Adams does come back. Does Devontae Adams now receive the attention or receive the attention, I mean, and does Alan Lazard now open up? And I feel like Alan Lazard is one of those guys who's starting to get Aaron Rodgers' confidence. And once you get a confidence with a quarterback like that, I feel like. Um, targets start to come your way and so I'm really intrigued to see what things look like for him over the next couple of weeks whether Devontae Adams is in the lineup or not so he's one guy that I'm very interested in but uh, I see that you have another receiver that you're um, excited about this week yeah I, I feel like this might be the week when we see the big emergence of Will Fuller uh, week one was a huge one eight catches for 112 gave me a lot of confidence Against Baltimore, he literally did nothing, had a rush attempt for zero yards. Last week, he had a touchdown to salvage his stat line. But um, this, to me, again, two 0-3 football teams. Minnesota's defense is not great. And uh, I think Will Fuller really has solidly established himself as Deshaun Watson's favorite target. So I think this is a week to feel pretty good about um, just starting him in a game that, um, I, I mean, the loser of this game if they haven't been written off already, you can write them off. You don't come back from 0-4. So it's two teams fighting for their lives. It really is. And two teams that sort of had expectations that they were going to be, um, especially in a league where we see seven wild, or sorry, seven teams make the playoffs from each conference, three wildcard teams. I mean, these are both teams that we thought were very much in that conversation in their respective conferences. So completely agree. There's a lot of pressure on that game. And the last, the, or sorry, my second fantasy start, the last fantasy start that we'll talk about for this week, for me is Tom Brady. And you know what? It's kind of interesting because previously I was thinking that he would be my struggle of the week, but seeing the amount of injuries that that Chargers defense has uh, right now, the fact that Chris Harris has, uh, went down with an injury this past week as well. Um, as far as I'm concerned, that defense is so beat up. Tom Brady's looking like he's starting to click with his weapons. Yes, Chris Godwin is out, it looks like. Um, but in my mind, I think Tom Brady's starting to hit his rhythm with um, his weapons there. And so I'm, I'm really intrigued to see what he'll do. As far as I'm concerned, he'll be a pretty safe start at the quarterback position this week. And I, I think that in many leagues, he's currently a free agent. So if you need a quarterback um, for this week, I'd highly recommend going out and getting him. So what about your player of the week, Adam? We're, we're going into um, week four, quarter mark of the season. You know, guys really looking to start uh, making a case for themselves as, as MVP, as defensive player of the year, all these things. Who do you think is the guy going into week four that's going to be um, an instrumental, huge part of, of his team seeing a win? You know what? For me, I don't know why. Each week I like to pick a player that I, is going against a, you know, a bad defense or something like that. And um, typically, actually, I've picked quarterbacks in the past, which is kind of funny because most, week, most weeks I look back and I was wrong. But this week, I for whatever reason, there's no stats behind it, no logic behind it. I just feel like this is a week that Deshaun Watson is going to come out and absolutely like perform. I think that against the Minnesota Vikings team um, that we just talked about in an 0-4, um, or the loser goes home 0-4 kind of thing, right? Um, I think that this will be one of those weeks where he comes out and he plays like he did at Clemson, where he, he just knows that he has to win this football game. And so I'm excited to see the level that he can play at in a basically a must-win game. And so I feel like you and I have both had this conversation before about how good he can play when he's pressed against a wall. And so um, I'm very interested to see just how dominant he can be, and I'm, I'm putting my confidence in him this week. But uh, I don't necessarily think that you're going with the same player as me. Who are you going with? No, I'm, I'm really all in on this Deshaun Watson and Arizona hype. Um, Kyler DeAndre loves Hawkins? him. 
yeah, I think DeAndre Hopkins is is on the way to probably the best season of his career. Um, his catch totals so far have been 14, 8, and 10. Uh, only one touchdown at this point, but that's going to change eventually with a target share like that. Um, DeAndre Hopkins against the Carolina defense, I don't think they have a guy who can cover him. Uh, and I think Kyler Murray is going to have to have a bounce back game here, or I think a lot of people are going to be uh, realizing they were pretty wrong about him as a player this season. So uh, I'm I'm thinking DeAndre Hopkins in line for a, another really, really big week. But um, just the volume alone, I am very, very excited to see what this season is going to look like for him. Yeah, the top performer in our fantasy football league has DeAndre Hopkins, and the league is PPR. So if that doesn't tell you how well DeAndre Hopkins is playing, I don't know what does. <laughs> and so what about looking at players who, you know, maybe people have high hopes for, um, this is not their week. This is going to be a week where we see yeah, you know what? It's kind of funny. I think we, I think that I think that we both picked from the same game. Actually, it's kind of funny. So I took your your cop out um, here, and I actually went with the Tennessee defense, similar to how you chose the Miami offense earlier. But um, I think that Tennessee is quite vulnerable from a defensive perspective. I think that the Steelers have. The playmakers on offense, um, even in Deontay Johnson's potential absence, um, I think that they have a lot of weapons that will expose this Titans defense. And so um, I have to say that in my mind, they're going to struggle. And I think that the Steelers will run away with this game. So in all forms, not their passing defense, not their running defense, but just overall their their complete defense, I think will struggle quite a bit. What about yourself? Well, I mentioned earlier already that I think Derrick Henry even as he leads the league in, in rushing yards, it's actually been a bit of a dip because he tends to more come on in the last eight weeks of the season. I think the Steelers have a very good defense, and I think 3.9 yards per carry is not great. And I just see him struggling again this week against the Steelers. Um, he might get nice high totals, but I mean 100 yards on 30 carries is just not that impressive. I think Derrick Henry is going to be a guy who um, – yeah, it's going to have a disappointing performance in a game that Tennessee would really, really like. Which is interesting, because I don't think that's feedback that we expected to come during this year. But you're right, he hasn't been the, the same dominant player that we saw towards the end of last year, which is interesting in in talking about them as a 3-0 and team, too. So Tennessee's a, a weird one this year, that's for sure. I mean, if we're both right on our predictions, that poor football team's going to get absolutely stomped this weekend. <laughs> yeah no kidding no positive feedback for the titans this week apparently no but i mean that's just the way it goes right we again where this is a team that has weird stuff going on this week so that'll that'll play into it all it, it cannot be understated the importance of of not having or cannot be overstated sorry the the importance of of not having that time together as a team and of being um, the first team to have to deal with it this season so we'll see how that plays out over the next few days um, I, I, it's awesome that we're, we're about to hit week four. We're going to really um, know a lot after week four. The quarter mark is, is a huge mark in the NFL season for starting to see what the league is shaping up to be. So we're excited to get there, excited to, to see. I mean, I think especially, I have to say the Patriots fan, excited to see if we can compete with Kansas City in a meaningful way and, um, yeah, move on to, to the last three quarters of the season. So we'll be back to talk about it. We'll be back... Um, hopefully who knows maybe there won't even be a titan steelers game by then but but either way we will see you all again next week <laughs>